0: You are listening to Church Talk with Isaac. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, As I always do, I always want to just start this off uh, by saying that I thank you all who have been taking time to support Church Talk with Isaac. Um, Those of you who have written reviews and who have subscribed uh, and who have rated Church Talk with Isaac with a five star. Listen, all of you all mean so much to me. If you have not done so. I'm encouraging you to do so. If you've been listening to me week after week, and if you have been enjoying the content that has been uh, being sent out every single week uh, this year, uh, go ahead and rate it. Go ahead and rate it and leave a review. I I really do want to hear your thoughts. I really do want to hear what you think uh, about Church Talk with Isaac, and I also would like to hear some of the topics that you would like to um, uh, get to me so that we could Talk about it uh, on this uh, platform. And again, if you want to do that, uh, you'll hear it at the end, but I'll say it now. You can go to my website, uh, www.isaacwatsonministries.com, and you can send me uh, some topics that you'd like to hear, and I'll be glad to cover it. So again, thank you all so much. Hey, y'all, listen, I was on social media not too long ago, and something popped up on my timeline. Uh, from someone that doesn't typically pop up on my timeline and it was a topic and a conversation that was going on. And I'm like, let me go ahead and just cover this because uh, this topic is an age old topic. It's something that has been discussed back and forth, uh, forward and backwards um, through the church since the first century. And this topic I know y'all gonna get a kick out of this I know my women are gonna jump on here and I know they're gonna be mixed opinions about this from women and from men but today we're gonna talk about whether or not women can be leaders within the church whether or not women can be leaders within the church to what capacity can women lead within the church and I want to talk about it personally I have friends who go either way I have friends that says Uh, that women can be leaders within the church, that they could be senior leaders uh, within the church. They can serve as pastors, as apostles, as prophets, as teachers, uh, as evangelists, as ministers within the church. And then I have some people that believe that uh, women can serve to a degree. Maybe they can serve as a deacon. Maybe they can serve in, in some denominations, maybe as a nurse or as a helper, uh, 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 as a minister, even to a degree. Maybe they can pray or lead worship within a church, but they are not given the responsibility to handle the word of God. They're not given the responsibility to preach or to teach. Um, and we're going to talk over some scriptures that goes uh, over some of the doctrines um, that leads to. Um, uh, those types of churches, those types of denominations, and even those types of structures, um, that says that women cannot teach over man, they cannot usurp their authority over man, so forth and so on. I know people that go that way as well. And I love both side, like my friends that are on both sides. Um, but I, th- I think that this deserves a conversation because even still today, uh, even what I saw on social media There's still people that are saying no, you no women cannot uh, have uh, be in leadership. There's some women that are saying I'm a leader. Yes, women can be in leadership. So listen, I'm going to let y'all hear my perspective. I'm going to go over some things myself and I'm going to give my claims as to what I believe. I'm going to start with a statement and I'm going to work through the scriptures. All right. So this is my statement, y'all. I believe wholeheartedly. That women can serve in leadership roles. I believe wholeheartedly that women should serve in leadership roles within the church. I believe wholeheartedly that women can serve in fivefold ministry functions as fivefold ministry gifts, as apostles, as prophets, as evangelists, as pastors, as teachers. Some of my friends are cringing now, but hey, this is what I believe. I believe they can serve as elders within the local church, as deacons within the local church, as ministers within the local church. I believe that women are called to lead. I believe that women should be empowered to lead. I believe women should be encouraged to lead. I believe wholeheartedly in it. So what I want to do is walk through some verses. This is going to be a bit more theological, um, but you all ask for this kind of stuff sometimes. So uh, I'm going to walk through some things. So let's begin with this. Uh, Let's begin with Genesis. Let's begin with God's plan for man and woman. God's plan for husband and wife. And we will start there and we'll work our way forward. All right. I hope. That, so let me know how that sounds. We're going to work our way forward. All right. Genesis in Genesis, when God created man, it's important to understand when God created man. He said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion. All right. So he created man. Uh, but then it says male and female. He created them. And it says it doesn't say that God blessed him. The Bible says that God blessed them. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. He told them to have dominion, both male and female. Both of them were in power. Check this out. Check this out. So in the beginning, when God created man, he created man, not just uh, uh, a one man, uh, but God created man, both male and female. And then there's a, there's a, there's a place in Genesis where it says he called man, Adam. He called man, Adam. All right. Now, uh, what I want you all to hear and what I want you all to understand is that Adam was a name, not just for the male that was in the garden, but Adam was the name for uh, mankind in Genesis chapter five, uh, Uh, It says, uh, "This is the book of the genealogy of Adam. In the day God created man, He made him in the likeness of God. He created them, male and female, and blessed them and called them Adam. In the day they were created. Now I I know that we've heard now that this is the King James version. I know that we've heard that only the man was named Adam. But literally, if you go and you can go and read it yourself. If you go and read it yourself." It literally says in Genesis chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day when they were created. This is the Bible. All right. So uh, when God gave authority to Adam, when God gave authority to mankind, he gave authority to both male and female. All right. Now, uh, Genesis chapter 3. What we see is we see the fall of mankind and the fall of mankind happened when when the woman. Listen to my language, when the woman uh, uh, was deceived by the serpent, the serpent convinced the woman to eat of the fruit that God told Adam, God told man not to eat of Uh, uh, the woman ate the fruit. The woman gave the fruit to uh, to her husband. And Adam ate the fruit. And uh, we know what happened from there. As a result of that, what we see is uh, we see that God came and as a result of their disobedience, uh, they were cursed. Both man and female, both male and female were cursed. All right. We're going somewhere. Both male and female were cursed in Genesis chapter three, verse 16. It says to the woman, he said, I'll greatly increase your pain. This is God saying this. I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing with pain. You'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. This is what God is saying to the woman. Notice I have not given this woman a name yet. We know her name's Eve, but there is no name for this woman. Even during this time in the garden when he made her all this time, this woman does not have a name. This woman is known as the woman. I want you all to hear me to the woman. He said, I'll greatly increase your pains in childbearing with pain. You'll give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Now, what we need to look at here is the reality that I know we talk about how how man is to rule over woman or man is 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 the head of woman. Um, uh, so forth and so on. But what we see here is that man ruling over woman is actually a result of the curse. What does that mean? That means that God's original plan was never for man to rule over woman. The, the plan of God was never for a husband to rule over his wife. Now, uh, we're going to walk through this and then we're going to move on. When it says that your desire will be for your husband and he'll rule over you, a key word that we have to look at is the word desire, because we can look at that and say, what's wrong with a woman desiring her husband? How is that a result or manifestation of a curse for a woman to desire her husband? Well, when you look at it from the outside, looking in, it looks like it's not a bad thing. But when you look at the word desire um, there, that word desire is the word Teshukal which is a Hebrew word that's only used three times in the Old Testament. All right. And and when we look at that word, it's, it doesn't just mean to desire uh, uh, one of the other. Uh, 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 we know that one of the uh, one of the scriptures that is used is Genesis three, 16, um, another scripture that's uh, where that word is used is Genesis four and seven. And this is where we can most commonly see the nature of this word. Genesis four, seven says, sin's desire is for you, but you shall rule over it. Same language. All right. Genesis three sixteen says your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. Genesis four and seven says, sin's desire is for you, but you will rule over it. So the word desire is just not uh, a desire uh, as in um, I desire to have someone or I desire to have something. That word desire uh, literally represents a desire to overcome or a desire to defeat another. The same way sin desires you, sin is desiring to defeat you. So what this is saying is that when God told the woman that you shall desire Uh, Your husband or your desire will be for your husband and he'll rule over you. God is literally telling this woman that as a as a manifestation or as a result of your disobedience, one of the manifestations of this curse will be uh, that you will desire or uh, you will desire to overcome or even defeat your husband. God is saying that the woman's desire will be to gain an upper hand over her husband. Hear me. So, we're not talking about uh, that she just is wanting him in a sexual way or she's wanting him in an intellectual way. Literally, a manifestation of the curse would be that the wife would desire to gain an upper hand over her husband, but he will rule over her. In other words, he will, because she is the weaker vessel, uh, the husband will forcefully dominate her if he needs to. This is where, even today, what we see. People who don't understand the new covenant, what we see is the battle of the sexes. Where women are not just fighting for equality, but women are fighting for not just to be empowered, but 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 you have certain women who have the mentality of dominating over the human race. And this was never the plan of God. God has always designed man and woman to rule together. God told man and woman, you are to have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. You are to be fruitful multiply fill the earth subdue it have dominion so what we see is that the curse came to create a battle of the sexes where women are constantly fighting to overcome the authority of men, and men are constantly fighting to oppress the women because of their uprising against uh, the male authority now the fact of the matter is that none of that none of it is the will of god none of that has been designed uh, by God as far as man and woman are to relate. Now, even check this out. Notice I was saying that the woman was not given a name. The woman has been called the woman all this time from Genesis, from the time she was created in Genesis two uh, through the sin in Genesis three. And what we see when we get all the way down in Genesis chapter three, uh, what we see in verse 20, it says, And Adam called his wife's name Eve. Because she was the mother of all living things. Now, notice God gave Adam the responsibility to name every creature on the planet. He never named Eve. He never named the woman until after the fall, which meant that uh, Adam named everything that he was mandated to govern or everything that he was given the responsibility to dominate over. And once Once uh, the fall of mankind occurred through uh, through them disobeying God, Eve fell into that category of man or woman fell into that category of man dominating over her. Therefore, Adam had to name Eve the same way he named all the other animals. That's crazy. (laughs) But that's what happened. And, 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 And that's the history of how that transpired. Now, fast forwarding. And really, honestly, it's, it's too much to really do in, in a 20 minute span. All right. But um, I'm going to try to cover as much as I can in the time that I'm given to do it. All right. So fast forwarding. What we see is that when Jesus came, one of the things that Jesus came to do is break the curse. Jesus came to break the curse. Jesus came to break the curse off of mankind, and one of the manifestations of the, of the Christian life is now in Christ Jesus, there is neither by nor free. There is neither male nor female. Come on. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, for we have all been baptized into the same body to drink of the same spirit. Christ came and eliminated that dominating agenda that has been trying to force women into a place of subjectivity to men, and he has, uh, uh, in Christ Jesus, the woman has been elevated and empowered to rule with man. All right, Isaac, how, do, how can you even say that? One of the things we have to think about, because some of y'all, y'all like, okay, okay, okay. But look at this, one of the things we have to look at is a reality that we are baptized into the church. We have become the church. Jesus said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And we look at that and we're like, what is the church? The church is an institution. The church is uh, God's governing authority, God's ecclesia, God's governing body, God's legislative body that's made to make uh, um, that's that's been set in place to make decisions on behalf of God in the earth. Okay, all of those things are true. But when we look at it on a more practical level, level, the church is The bride of Jesus, which makes the church a woman. (laughs) So what we're saying is that if the church is God's governing authority, God's ecclesia, God's legislative body, then whether or not you realize it or not, just hear me out. Whether or not you realize it or not, you're submitting to a woman by submitting to the church. The church has become the body of Christ and, and the bride of Christ. So many of you all who combat and go back and forth with whether or not women can have authority. And if you're a church leader, you're actually submitting to a woman and probably have not even realized it, have not even really looked into that. All right. Not only that, I believe that when we deal with the fivefold ministry gifts, I'm just got to kind of move a little fast. When we deal with the fivefold ministry gifts, we are not dealing with just offices. We are dealing with natures. We're dealing with natures. Ephesians 4, 11 and God Uh, Gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors and teachers. All right. So we know that. But what we have to understand is that these are five natures. My personal conviction is that you cannot become an apostle. You cannot become a prophet. You cannot become a pastor, a teacher or an evangelist. These are all gifts that are given by Jesus that you are born as these are natures these are equipping graces that you are born as jeremiah said before i was formed in my mother's womb you knew me and you ordained me to be a prophet all right so he was ordained before he was even formed god had a purpose for him before before he even had a body so i want you all to understand that concerning fivefold gifts these are all gifts that you are born as paul said that he was predestined by the grace of God to stand as an apostle. So these are things that you are born as. All right. Now, can women be fivefold graces? Absolutely. Now, Old, Old Testament, we see them, and 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 uh, I'm going fast, so you can just Bible Gateway, or or you can look some of these people up. All right. We have women who are prophets in the Bible, in the Old Testament. You have Deborah, who was a prophet. You have you uh, um, 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 you have Hoda, who was a prophet. You have Miriam, who was known as a prophet in the New Testament. You have Anna, who was a prophetess. Hear me. And not only let's go back to Deborah. Not only was was Deborah a prophet, but she was a judge, which means that Israel's care was in the hands of a woman at one point. Now, my question is this. If you have prophets who are women in the Old Testament and and, uh, I don't believe that God stripped women from. I mean, these are women who are under the law. All right. Now, which was much more stricter than grace. Now, if you have women who are prophets in the Old Testament, do you think that he eliminated women from being prophets in the new? That doesn't even make sense. That doesn't make sense and uh from my opinion if you can be a prophet which according to ephesians 2 20 uh apostles and prophets are the foundation of the church uh if you uh, first corinthians chapter 12 28 god set first in the church apostles secondarily prophets if prophets can be secondarily set as leadership roles or functions or foundational gifts within the church And uh, and then you have other gifts that are built on top of the prophet or the apostle, then certainly they can also be apostles. If you can be a prophet and you can teach and you can train and you can disciple and you can impart and you can teach other ministers how to hear the voice of God and, and all of those great things. You can speak on God's behalf. Then certainly God is not saying, well, you can be a prophet, but you can't be an apostle. Now, of course, we can look at we can look at Junia and Andronicus. Uh, uh, who 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 commonly is known Junia is commonly known uh, um, um, some scholars would believe that she was an apostle in the in the scriptures they some people may even say that Andronicus and Junia may have been a married couple uh, because uh, in Romans I believe chapter 16 Junia is stated uh, to be known uh, as one who was outstanding among the apostles All right. So, I mean, you have women in leadership. You have women in leadership. You have uh, uh, Aquila, who was a woman in leadership. Now, I want you all to hear about Aquila just really quickly. All right. And I'm trying to move quickly. Because I'm already a little over. (laughs) But you have uh, uh, Priscilla, who was a friend and close coworker of Paul. Now, Priscilla, together with her husband, Aquila, they were teachers within the church they just weren't housing uh people they just didn't have a church in their house they were actually teachers now not only were they teachers but their names were were stated about six times throughout scriptures four of those six times it was stated this way aquila and uh uh, priscilla and aquila priscilla and aquila four of the six times priscilla and aquila if you know anything about a greek language the placement of names is very important The placement of names is very important. And Priscilla's name appears first in four of the six mentioned times uh, within the New Testament. Now, what this may say is that Priscilla's ministry could have possibly been more prominent than her husband's. It could also be a representation that Priscilla had a higher social status than her husband. Because of the way that the Greek is written. Now, if if you don't understand uh, Greek, if you don't understand Hebrew, some of this stuff that I'm saying is going to go over your head, which is probably why we have so many mix ups as far as understanding roles within the body of Christ. Because we don't know how to uh, exegete scripture. We don't know how to look at things hermeneutically. We don't know how to look at 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 uh, at the scriptures within their context. But even something as simple as name placement within the word of God, it speaks a lot about the authority that was held. All right. I said that they were teachers. Now, if you look at uh, Acts chapter 18, verse 24 through 26, it says, now a Jew named Apollos, in uh, Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man uh, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in the scriptures. This man had been instructed In uh, the way of the Lord and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus being acquainted only with with the baptism of John. Check this out. Verse 26. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogues. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him again, the wife first and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. It doesn't say that he took him aside. It says that they took him aside, meaning what? It means that they were educating, they were teaching, they were discipling a man. Priscilla was discipling Apollo's. I want you to hear. And this wasn't a new babe. This was somebody. Apollos was somebody who was eloquent in speech, someone who was who was teaching Jesus Christ already. He was a teacher. Later on, he arose as an apostle in the Lord's church. And Priscilla was teaching him along with her husband, uh, along with her husband, Aquila. All right. So we have that example. All right. Another example we can look at is Phoebe, Phoebe. Now, Romans chapter 16, verses one and two, it says uh, it mentions it mentions uh, Phoebe and Paul says, I want you to receive Phoebe, who is a deaconess. Phoebe was a deaconess within the church now. for some people, they may not understand. Well, actually, if you if you look at some translations, it calls Phoebe, it, it calls Phoebe a helper. And it calls phoebe a servant it says greet phoebe who is a servant within the lord's church but that word servant is actually the same word where we get the word deacon from hear me same word where we get the word deacon from i commend you unto phoebe our sister which is a servant of the church which is at centria that you may receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints and assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For indeed, she has been a helper of many and of myself also. Now, what we need to understand is that Paul called Priscilla a, um, a servant. But that word is the same where we get the word deacon from or deaconess. All right. Now, what, what do we need to understand about deacons? deacons were assigned to assist tables but look at also what deacons did acts chapter 6 verse 5 it says and the saying pleased the whole multitude and they chose stephen a man full of faith and the holy spirit and philip and a bunch of other names and it says uh whom they set before the apostles and when they had prayed they laid hands on them and verse 8 and stephen full of faith and power did great wonders and signs among the people this was a deacon Stephen was set as a deacon in the church and he was moving forth in signs and wonders. So if if Stephen was the first example of a deacon of what a deacon should look like, then surely Phoebe, who was a traveling companion of Paul, probably also flowed in signs and wonders, probably also flowed in an authoritative tone. Not only was was Phoebe known as a deaconess, but Phoebe is also known as a helper that word helper can also be translated as a patroness, a patroness. Now, in the Greek, a patroness can be a guardian, a protector, or check this out. A patroness can also be a woman set over others, a woman set over others. In other letters that Paul wrote Timothy, he related to Timothy as a patron, as someone who set over other people. So what does that mean? That means Phoebe possibly had a level of authority where she was overseeing certain things to a degree. All right. Now, I use up a lot of my time. So what I'm going to do is a part two and we're going to go over uh, some other some other things. But I just want to show you all that in this in the scriptures, in the New Testament, within the church, we had women who were leading in certain capacities. Now, I'm going to get more specific uh, uh, and uh, we're going to we're going to deal with this. But listen, if you like this, I encourage you check out part two. And uh, we'll, we'll keep this ball rolling. I love y'all. And I hope y'all have a great day. Thank you for listening to Church Talk with Isaac. If you enjoy our content and benefit from this podcast, do me a favor and subscribe, leave a review, and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. I'm also on all social media platforms and would love to connect with you. You can also partner with us by visiting IsaacWatsonMinistries.com and clicking Donate. Your partnership helps us to get the message of Jesus through Isaac Watson Ministries to the world. Talk to you soon.